Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. And before we get to today's interview, I want to mention that BIV's BC CEO Awards, they take place November 13th at the Fairmont Waterfront Hotel in downtown Vancouver. You can find out more details at BIV.com slash events. Now joining us today to talk about the latest news in retail, it's Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief at RetailInsider.com, and he's also the host of the new Retail Insider podcast. Craig, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me again. So why don't we kick it off? I I think the McDonald's news that has been unfolding the past few days here with the CEO, Steve Easterbrook, departing the company over sexual misconduct concerns. And then just a day later, we had McDonald's Chief People Officer go as well. What does this spell for such an iconic brand, and what do you think it calls into question maybe the judgment of some of the people in the C-suite here at McDonald's? Yeah, that, I was wondering about that too. I mean, it's not the first time this has happened. Uh, I, I would think that you know McDonald's is much bigger than him and, and, and the HR, uh, HR person in terms of, you know, I, I think that the operations are still quite large. You know, there's, there's methods in place. Um, you know, losing someone from the top can... Uh, certainly be challenging, but I don't think it's going to be detrimental and the entire company is going to collapse or anything along those lines. I mean, it certainly survived before him and it'll survive afterwards, but it does speak to, you know, the trend that we've seen. I mean, it's even happened in Canada. Yeah, well, talk, talk about that a little bit because, I don't know, I think maybe the first com- that first that comes to mind is, is a West Coast company as well. Uh, that's right, Lululemon. Uh, Laurent uh, Pot- Potteven, I think is his name, and I probably totally pronounced that wrong, but sure. <laughs> Potteven. And uh, something similar, you know, there was a relationship with someone internal within the company and, uh, you know, he had to, you know, he's no longer working there essentially. I don't know all the details around that. Uh, it has happened in other organizations and the other time I get insider info and, um, you know, it's not released to the press, but it has happened uh, with other companies as well, unfortunately, a really big one from the States that's in Canada. But, uh, I mean... It must be tough, though, if you think about it, because I don't know. I mean, you work with someone for hours and hours, and I mean, at some point you might fall for someone. But I totally get it. I mean, there's a power situation there, and you know, there are rules, and that, you know, things shouldn't be done. But sometimes I have a little bit of sympathy for the situation because I don't know. I mean, maybe he met his future wife or something, and you know, that that'll never happen, or maybe now it will happen. Now that he's no longer there. Well, what do you think is maybe uh, more important here? Uh, the, the fact that we do have companies, organizations realizing that this is not appropriate, as you mentioned, there's that uh, uneven power dynamic at play, or the fact that, I don't know, th- this still keeps happening, that uh, maybe some people just aren't getting the message in, in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, I guess you never know till it happens, right? And I'm not speaking from personal experience, so... <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But- <laughs> But, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking, in, you know, speculatively because this has not happened in a situation in my life uh, ever. So, um, but, uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, a CEO and any leader of a company like that is there to lead a company. And, you know, they have a real fiduciary duty. And I think I understand why the rules are play- in place. And ultimately, you know, I mean, these uh, terminations or resignations, whichever happen, depending on the situation, you know, they do happen for a reason. So, um, I guess respecting the process is important, but, you know, we're all still human in the end. And I mean, humans make mistakes and I mean, it's resulted in a downfall of all kinds of retailers and all kinds of other issues that we've had in history. 
Well, uh, we can keep talking about the fast food industry because Subway, it's getting a a fresh new look, if I can uh, use their own branding right there. But uh, we're seeing overhauls coming to almost all of the outlets here in Canada. Tell me a little bit about the scale involved and what this change is going to ultimately mean for Subway. Yeah, I mean, this is a big change. The uh, franchisees are getting grants to... uh renovate their uh, properties, uh, I should say probably restaurants. Uh, uh, some of them have already been done. Uh, I've seen a few of them, so you know we reported on it, but uh, um, I think it had been rolled out selectively, or at least it had been tested, because I've been to a couple of them in my travels. So, um, But it's interesting, because it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a massive refresh. It's a way for a brand to kind of reset itself. And in this case, with Subway, you know, it these locations will look different. And I think the color palette that they've chosen, it's kind of a, say, a green and yellow, but um, it's kind of this, I think, I think they chose appetizing colors. I think I salivated when I looked at the photos. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and even being in the place, I think I'm usually starving when I go and get food. So, uh, you know, at that point, I'm probably salivating over almost anything. But <laughs> in terms of um, the design, you know, you, you look at it and you think, oh, that actually looked pretty nice. So um, not that some of my restaurants were terrible before, but they, I think their design was from maybe the 80s or the early 90s. It's the last time they did a refresh. So something like this is quite standard. We've seen it over the years, including with McDonald's. I remember when McDonald's restaurants used to look a lot different. And then they kind of went upscale. And then, you know, they, they've been playing around with all kinds of different concepts. Yeah, you know, I always got the very 80s vibe from Subway. You you mentioned that look as well. And I, I, I'm looking back at my childhood and I think they always had like wallpaper that looked like old newspaper clippings from like 1920s New York. And then there's also like kind of fake exposed brick. I'm looking at the pictures of this now. It is very kind of sleek, a little bit uh, very 2010s. But I don't know, we're, we're soon approaching the 2020s. I don't know if that's uh, what, where you want to be. But uh, still, it is kind of a, a hip look, I, I would say, um, maybe moving away from like where their previous brand was. Yeah, and you pointed out something there, um, that it might look 2010s, and we are, you know, less than two months away from 2020. Uh, I'm wondering if they've done enough in terms of uh, a digital experience, and Mm. what I mean by that is there are international companies out there that, you know, have very, very compelling, interesting concepts, whether or not they're in Canada yet, because um, what I'm observing is an influx of international brands coming into the country, uh, from around the world, and I know that many more are coming because I've got a colleague who's actually working with them. So um, brands like Subway are going to need to, uh, you know, be the best of the best if they're going to ultimately compete with all of the other companies coming in. And you know, if you've got some of these Korean providers, for example, that you know you go into the space and you're absolutely wowed with, you know, the technology, which also makes the experience better. Um, you know, Subway could still lose ground. So. It's not a slam dunk what they're doing. Uh, you know, as long as it's well thought out, that's important. But they're going to have to also adopt the latest and say payment technologies, something where you can go in, you know, and have a seamless experience. You can pay, say, on an app, uh, and perhaps they have it already. It's not something I've tried, so I can't speak specifically to all of the technology. But ultimately, we're I think we're seeing a major shift in the way consumers are buying things, and uh, you know, whatever that is, because we don't even you know we don't know the future to that uh, degree. You know, Subway's going to have to keep up with that. Yeah, you know, I was thinking back uh, to a couple years ago, this may have been like five years ago, there's a Vancouver-based tech company that launched a partnership with Subway to help them facilitate online deliveries. And this is really before food deliveries became what they are right now, where they're just kind of taking over the restaurant industry. Uh, I'm curious about how many people outside of maybe corporate events, if you want a sandwich or something, are, are doing 
Subway food deliveries, just because is this not like the most ubiquitous, like fast food outlet here in Canada? I think there's like 3,200 locations. Every other block that I walk on, I mean, there's a Subway. Like, why would I order, pay that extra charge if I could just like, I can think in my neighborhood, there's two easy to get to Subway locations just from where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Certainly, uh, subways in the suburbs, and they're not nearly as accessible. But I think for, you know, urban cores or, you know, denser cities like Vancouver, I I don't know if delivery is quite as important. But you never know, maybe on a really rainy day, (laughs) which does happen, you know, more regularly than I'm sure many of us would like, uh, that, you know, might be something that would be, you know, beneficial. Or there are people out there who are really just time starved. They're either, you know, working on a big project or they're you know, children are screaming or, you know, whatever the situation is at home or in the workplace. Uh, uh, consu- I mean, bigger picture, consumers are looking to get things, you know, they, they want what they want and when they want it and how they want it. And, um, you know, if Subway's able to deliver that, that's excellent. But uh, uh, again, I think it really depends on the geography. But, you know, if you're, say, in the west end of Vancouver, um, you know, I think there are a few Subways around there. You could easily just walk there. But uh, yeah. I-, I think the consumer, for better or for worse, is going to be seeking the ultimate inconvenience of whatever uh, they're consuming, and I think in the next five years that will become extremely standard. Uh, and, and again, for better or for worse, I mean, it's not great for the environment if you're delivering, you know, a subway sandwich, and, you know, in a vehicle that's having to drive to your home. I mean, uh, that's going to cause a lot of congestion in cities if you think about it. So I, I was just moments ago reminiscing about my childhood memories of Subway with uh, those uh, wallpaper and exposed brick and all that. But uh, maybe I'll, I'll go back to high school, and I recall. Old Navy was moving into Canada for the very first time. They were setting up an outlet in the suburb that I was living in back then. I I took in my resume. I was familiar with the brand from when I was uh, growing up in Seattle as well. And uh, they did not hire uh, a high school Tyler to work at the the opening of one of the first Old Navies in uh, Metro Vancouver. Uh, uh, you can tell I'm, I'm still very bitter. I, I would have been the best uh, employee at uh, Old Navy. But uh, tell me a little bit about what this monumental event is that they are celebrating uh, as of uh, this month here, Craig. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I know what you mean. I didn't get hired at a taco time when I was younger. I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm unemployable. Yeah. I'm my own boss now. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, um, we're seeing, uh, you know, a real... Uh, shift and you know uh, I mean sorry we're seeing the hundredth location actually opening uh, for Old Navy which is interesting the uh, the brand you know has certainly continued to evolve itself um, and has actually appeared to remain relatively relevant to the Canadian consumer uh, which is interesting because a lot of apparel retailers haven't been able to do that uh, um, if you go into an old Navy store quite often they're quite busy yeah um, and that I find to be quite remarkable, you know, and, and they have a diversity of locations. I mean, you can go to a power center, an outlet center. Uh, you could go, you know, to downtown Vancouver at the corner of Robson and Granville, and there's an old Navy store there as well. So, um, prime you know, real locations. estate. Yeah, I, I'm kind of impressed with that location. Yes, me too. I'm actually, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but uh, that, I mean, you know, it's a 17,000 square foot store in downtown Vancouver. I mean, the rent can't be cheap. That's yeah. uh, uh, a very impressive location for them. So, you know, 100 locations, uh, I believe Kamloops is going to be getting one, which would be maybe 101, just depending mm-hmm. if another one opens before that, technically. But, uh, you know, people are still buying these things. And it's funny, right now I'm wearing an old Navy uh, performance t-shirt. And you know, I, think it was, I forget what I paid for it. It was, you know, under $20. Uh, uh, and they actually are great. I'm not doing an ad for old Navy. I'm just pointing out that, you know, they have product that people might want. And um, you know, given the price points and, and, and given, you know, the casual nature of the clothing, I mean, it certainly works for, 
a lot of people and it works for certain demographics that, you know, aren't looking maybe for like a Zara, which is a little more high style, but old Navy certainly speaks to a suburban, uh, um, clientele as well as, you know, those looking for maybe a bit more of a casual look in cities that maybe aren't quite as dressy as, you know, Montreal or Toronto. Uh, uh, you know, Vancouver's getting there too. I mean, uh, Vancouver's a much better dressed city than it was a decade ago. Well, it just makes me think that it'd be weird to go move somewhere where there was not easy access to Old Navy. You know, it's just so ubiquitous across the retail landscape here in Canada. We'll have to leave it at that. But Craig, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. That is Craig Patterson. He, of course, is the editor-in-chief of RetailInsider.com, the host of the brand-new Retail Insider podcast. And that's it for the show today. Thank you for listening. In the meantime, go get your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Leave us a review. That really helps out the show. It'll get more people listening. I'm Tyler Orton, and we'll be taking a little bit of a break for Remembrance Day, but we'll be back on November 12th. I want to thank everyone for listening.